But I, I'm so excited about this. I'm going to tell you, I'm going I'm to preach this in a place of, of really preaching to myself because this word has really challenged me, even, even to, to, to prepare. It's just been every time I, I write something down, it's just a challenge to myself. So I know that I'm going to get something out of this. I hope that you get something out of it as well. Amen? Amen. Do I have any golfers in the house? Anybody play golf? Two people play golf. We're going to start a golf ministry, and we got to, we got to raise up some golfers in the house. Lord, I pray right now that you would just rein in the golfers in the house, Lord, that they would come in like a flood so we could have a golf ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I just, I love golf. Golf, y'all have heard me talk about baseball a lot, but golf was kind of my escape from baseball. And so I, I loved playing golf. And I was playing golf one time out at Baton Rouge Country Club. And since none of y'all are golfers, I learned, I was going to tell you, that is a very, very nice golf course. It's, just, it's, like, it's one of those places where when you get to go play as a golfer like me that has no money, you're just like so excited that this even happened. Like, this is one of the days that you mark down in your journal like this was an amazing day. It doesn't even matter what I shot. It, it just matters that I got to go play at this course. It was that big of a deal for me. And I'm playing in this member guest tournament. And it's in a little scramble, not scramble format, but like a match play format. Which again, none of y'all play golf. See, I'm just speaking Greek to y'all right now. But y'all got to go with it. I got the mic. I'm telling the story, so you have to listen. All right. And so here we are. We're in this tournament. And it, it's just locked up, man. It's a tight, tight match. And I'm the guest there. And the member that I'm playing with paid a lot of money for me to come play. I'm a decent golfer. I'm not going to say I'm great, but I, I'm, I'm decent. I'm like maybe like Tiger Woods is now. Not like he was before, but kind of how he is now. I'm just kidding. I'm not that good. So look, here we're sitting here. Nobody gets that joke because none of y'all play golf. So it's okay. All of these jokes right now is going to go right over y'all's head because y'all don't understand golf. But I put in a golf story, so you're just going to have to roll with it, all right? And so I'm sitting in this bunker, okay? That's a big pot of a pit full of sand, okay? There's grass around it, and there's sand in there. It's, and then my ball's in the sand. Everybody with me? And I've got a tree in front of the green. I think everybody can understand that. And the pin is tucked back behind the tree. And I'm 197 yards out. I'm in the bunker. And we're in a tight spot in the match. I've got to hit a great shot here. And I'm looking at it. I'm going, this is impossible. For me anyway. Like maybe some other guys. But this is impossible. I have no way to hit this shot. And the guy I'm with is like, man, you got this. You can do it. I'm going, man, I've got to hit a 197-yard cut five iron out of this bunker around this tree and somehow and we'll get it to stop on the green to have any chance. There's no way. Even if I was Tiger Woods, I'm looking at this shot going, this is impossible. And he goes, come on, man, you were a professional athlete. You played baseball. I said, exactly. I didn't play golf. And he goes, just hit it. You got it. I said, it's impossible. I cannot hit this shot. And this is what he said. He said, where's your faith? I was like, man, brother, challenge my faith out here, huh? All right, give me that club, man. Watch. Where's my faith? And I'm over the ball with no faith at all, I can promise you. I'm like, well, I'm going to hit this ball. It's going to go out of the bunker like five feet, and I'm going to be sitting right here again. You're going to be mad. I'm excited to hit a good shot. But he's pumping me up. He said, where's your faith? I said, all right. So I got in there. And, man, it went up in the air. And it just started cutting, and I hit that thing to about 10 feet from the hole, and I was fired up. And that's a great place to clap your hands in church. He said, where's your faith? And it challenged me. And I hit 
the greatest shot I've ever hit in my life. I couldn't have hit that shot. If I had sat there and hit it 5,000 more times, I could not have done it. But he said, where is your faith? And I thought about that today as I was preparing this. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Remember the story? It's in Luke. And they got it in a few of the Gospels. But I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 8 tonight. Uh, starting in verse 22. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. I love this story. If you've been around me for a little bit, you've probably heard me preach out of this passage before. But I just love, love, love this story. It says, let's cross to the other side of the lake. If you're somebody who writes in your Bibles, I want you to underline that part of the, uh, the verse. It says, so they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. Okay? See, naps are holy, if y'all didn't know that. So I tell my kids, Jesus took a nap. Don't, I'm on Sunday, I'm going to take a nap between services. Okay? And, they, and they, they let me do it. It says, the boat was filling with, I'm sorry, but soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly the storm stopped, and all was calm. And then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. Man, I love that story. I love that story. It's a, I try and picture myself in the story. because that's what I, I try and like... Dive in. Like, let me put myself in there and try to understand what they're talking about. Always, how many y'all enjoyed Michael Compagna last last month? Those of y'all who were here, man, I always good to talk to Michael Compagna about things and, and reading the stories and, and reading the Bible because he has this incredible historical content knowledge that I just don't have. And I could Google it, but he's like human Google in the office, so I just go ask him. And so, I, what he does when he gives me all this historical content is it allows me to be able to get into the story. And so I'm picturing myself on the boat, and here we go. Jesus said we're going to the other side. We're in the boat, and all of these things start to happen. All this storm is raging, the winds and waves. And so I just picture the disciples, okay? I think about Matthew, and Matthew's like, man, what is going on? I just got in this. Like, I was just kind of a late arrival on the disciples' side. I used to be a tax collector. All these guys are fishermen. They know about the boat and water. And he's, so he's freaking out. And you've got John. John's always that cool cat. I picture him. That's how I kind of picture him. He's that cool cat, and he's just real relaxed, and he's like, Hey, guys, look, the Lord's speaking to me right now. He's giving me a vision. Okay, it's going to be okay. And then you've got Judas. Judas is back in the back of the boat. He's getting all the money together to make sure we don't lose any money, right, because Judas was concerned about that. And, and, and you've got Thomas over there, like, doubting everything's going to be okay. He, he's not real sure about how it's going to come out. And then you've got Peter. I love Peter. How many of y'all like Peter in the Bible? I feel like Peter's, like, the closest guy to me and that, like, he just, for whatever reason, just couldn't always get it right. Like, he'd be really good one day, and then he'd just nosedive down the next day. And I kind of feel like that sometimes. And so, look, Peter was a drama queen, right? Y'all know Peter. Y'all know Peter was the one that running in there going, Jesus, we're going to drown. What are you doing? We're freaking out out here. Y'all know that was Peter, man, because he, he was all, he was crazy. And so I just kind of, I pictured that being the scene of the boat. And whenever you look at that, the disciples have forgot a very key thing. They forgot what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Let's go to the other side. 
See, nothing that was happening in that moment was going to change what Jesus had already said. But here's what was a little bit different in that situation, is that this time it was them that needed the miracle. See, up until this point, all of the, the miracles that disciples had seen were for other people. He had healed the leper. He had raised somebody from the dead. He had turned water into wine. He had done all these different things. He had grown out a withered hand, which I think is amazing. He did all these things. There's actually 14 occurrences of miracles before this happened. But none of them were them direct. This is the first time that the disciples needed the miracle. And he said, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And I saw this in a different light today. I saw this in a place of, uh, 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 when we hear the words, you know, we don't live by, we're not moved by what we see, but we're moved by, by faith. Faith is not what we see. Faith is what we, what we hear. Faith is hearing the word of God and then trusting that regardless of what we see. Because when they're on the boat in this moment, the seas the situation, the circumstance looks crazy. And it, just like me, this is what I, when my life gets a little bit crazy, I forget the promises of God. I forget what God has already done in my life. I forget that the Lord has already said that I'm going to go to the other side. And I think that what was happening here, when he said, where is your faith? I think he was really questioning the location. Was your faith in what I said and what you're hearing? Or is your faith in what you're seeing? If we live a life that is always focused on what we're seeing, I'm telling you, we're going to live a very shallow, a very uneventful, a very uh, just kind of average life. If you do what only makes sense to you in your own worldly side of things, I found that you don't quite take the adventure that Jesus wants you to go on. See, Jesus didn't go to the cross so you could just, well, okay, well, this, this little thing right here, this makes sense to me, and this is safe, and this is okay, and so I'm just going to do that, you know. There's something telling me, there's something that's telling me to do more. There's something that's maybe challenging me to do a little bit more, but I don't really know, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be a safe thing. Nothing Jesus did was safe. You understand, Jesus rebuked the, leader, the religious leaders to their face in front of everybody. How safe was that? Jesus healed people on the Sabbath, then was called out and I mean, that, that's a risk. I want to tell you tonight that, that God has not saved you to just walk through life in this place of, oh, I'm just kind of getting by. I'm just doing okay. I was talking with somebody earlier about, about just posture. And, you know, I just, I, I can't, I don't like when people walk around like this. Y'all know people walk around like this? They're just always kind of down. and Man, God did not save you to walk around with your head hanging down low. In fact, in fact, in Psalm chapter 3, he says that he is the lifter of our heads. Okay? I understand, man, things happen. You ever had things happen in your life? 
Man, you just deal with stuff, man. You got, you, you got a storm in your life, and you're looking at the situation, and you're going, Lord, I don't know why I'm facing this. I don't know why this is happening. Why? Uh, you know, I've, I've prayed about this. Why is this happening? No, I did this. I go to church. Uh, I pay my tithe. I'm praying about this. I go serve. I do all this stuff. Why does my situation look like this? Why is there a storm in front of me? God is not a vending machine. You can't put some coins into God and say, well, here's a quarter for my prayers. Here's a quarter for going to church. Here's a quarter for my tithe. Here's a quarter for serving on on last Sunday. Now, boom, I want a Coke. He does not work. like. Maybe that's just my life. I've tried that. It doesn't work. It always comes out with something different. But what I've learned is that it's always better. And I spend so much time stressing about trying to make a Coke. And he's like, son, I'm going to give you something, and it's free. You don't even have to put money in. I'm going to give you something for free, and it's called salvation. It's called the joy of the Lord being your strength. It's called this faith, this rising up. Where is your faith, disciples? Where is it? Do you remember, Peter, when I healed your mother? Do you remember when I raised that boy from the dead? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember when you were facing that financial need? Do you remember when you were facing that impossible situation? And see, I'm facing this impossible situation, and maybe I haven't faced this before, but I remember praying for Terrence when he was facing it, and I saw God meet his need. And so I go, God, if you did it for Terrence, I know you can do it for me, and I don't care what it looks like. I'm just going to praise you anyway. I don't care what I have to go through. You said that I'm going to go to the other side of the lake, and so that's where I'm going to go. And whatever you have over there for me, I'm ready for that. Man, I'm, I'm tired of living a life. This is me. This is just me. This is, I don't have this in my notes. I'm tired of living a life where I try and dictate what God's going to do. I'm tired of my prayer life being me reading off my checklist of God's to-do list. God don't have Wonderlist app on his phone. You can't put in a to-do list for him, and he's up there going, oh, okay, Ryan, new entry, okay. He wants this and this and that, check, ding, 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 ding. It doesn't work like that. God's not a genie in a bottle. But I know that God has so much for me, and you know how I know? Because I read it in that book, and that book is not something that you get to see. That book is something that you get to hear. And so when he tells you that you're an overcomer, when he tells you that you're more than a conqueror, when he tells you that you have joy in the Lord, when he tells you that he saved you out of the miry clay, when he tells you that he spilled his blood for you, when he tells you that nothing separates you from his love, nothing separates you. Nothing. Nothing. No demon in hell. No situation. No problem at work. I sometimes read that and I just put my own situations in there. No misbehaving son separates me from the love of God. No dirty house separates me from the love of God. No grumpy co-worker. Yeah, I work at church. Sometimes we grumpy. Y'all don't judge us. Okay? We trying to just, do, just live life just like y'all. Okay? No grumpy co-worker separates me from the love of God. No mistake that I made separates me from the love of God. Because I'm covered in grace. I was bought with a price. We were singing earlier, his love ran red. His love ran red. Man, he wants us to move by what we hear, not by what we see. 
He wants us to move by what we hear. He said, let's go to the other side. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Check this, that's Romans 8. Check this out in Deuteronomy. People do not live on bread alone. We've heard that before, right? Bread, you can see it. But what do they live on? They live on every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Okay? See, you don't live on what you see. You live on what you hear. You don't live on what you see happening in your friend's life. You live on what God's telling you for your life. Because his promotion has nothing to do with your promotion. His marriage has nothing to do with your marriage. His situation has nothing to do with yours. Because if God's given you a promise, and God has done this thing in your life, and God has, has said, I'm going to take you over here. It doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter what, that your Thursday morning looked just like, man, where is God in this? Y'all ever had a day where you're just like, man, I... I just don't feel like God's anywhere around. But I gotta, I got to choose to train my thoughts to go, no, no, no. He says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. He said, be bold and courageous. Hey, I want to tell you something, man. During worship, I looked over here at you, and the Lord said, be bold and courageous. He said, be bold and courageous. I don't know what you're walking through, what's going on in your life. Okay, but I want you to go. He's charging you just like he charged Joshua. He said, be bold and courageous and go forth in it, man. And he's encouraging and he's watching you. And I don't know what, he, what, what you're facing, but you have God's attention right now. And he's saying, go forth boldly. Don't be timid about what this next season is. Don't be timid about this situation or this, this decision that you have to make or whatever that looks like. But make it boldly, knowing that he'll never leave you or forsake you. And he has a great and mighty plan for you. Amen? Hey, let's, can, we, can we pray? Can we pray? Lord, I just pray right now, God, that, that, that you just surround him, God, with the love from the Father. I pray right now, God, for a boldness and courage over him like he's never experienced. I come against the enemy's lies and tell him that, that he's not good enough, that he's not worthy, that he's not qualified. And maybe he's not, but he serves the God who is. And so I thank you that the God that he serves and the God that loves him is more than able to do the impossible in his life. So, God, I pray, pray right now that you open doors that no man can close. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Are you responding to what you see, or are you responding to what heaven is saying? Are your decisions based on what you see, or are your decisions based on what God is telling you? Because it's real easy sometimes to look at the situation, look in the world, get caught up in these things of the world, and, and, and the situation says, hey, look, this will be good. You see this, and it's good. And God's going, no, 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 over here. But God, this looks so good. But no, no, son, I just need to bring you right here. See, faith is lining up with the heart of God. Faith is lining up with his will for your life. Faith is putting hope in aligning with his heart. See, faith rises up in us because we see that God loves us and we see God's will for us and that God has a plan for us. And just because he hasn't revealed the plan and he hasn't drawn out this incredible map for your life that you can look at, because if we could look at it, it'd be easy, right? But God wants us to be a people of faith. God wants us to move by what he says, what his word says, what the Bible says about you. Don't let what you keep hearing, I'm sorry, don't let what you see keep you from hearing what heaven is wanting you to hear. 
Man, when I heard that early, you know what I thought about? Relationships. I thought about relationships. I thought about people in our life that maybe cloud us from, from hearing what God is trying to say to us. I think sometimes we can get caught up in the wrong atmosphere of friends. And I think it can hinder what heaven is trying to say to us. Because when you're around the wrong people, there's all this noise. There's people talking, all this stuff, man. Oh, yeah, man, that'll be great, man. No, go, go to lunch with that girl. It's no big deal. Your wife won't know. Or it's just innocent. Y'all both married. What's the big deal, right? What's the big deal with that? Or, but yeah, yeah, look, just, just operate this business deal out of the gray area. It's okay. Nobody's going to know that you cheated the system a little bit, right? That's what your friends are saying. They start clouding you going, no, 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 no. I can't live like that. That's not what the word of God says about me. But when you surround yourself with people that are trying to push you into what seems okay in the world, you end up hindering what you're trying to hear, what God's trying to speak to you from heaven. Because I'm, God is my promoter. God, God does everything for me. There's nothing that I can do to manipulate my life that'll be better, that'll be greater than what God wants to do in my life. He will always have a better plan. Man, and I've learned that the hard way. Golly, am I the only one that's learned that one the hard way? Man, I could, if I can go back and rewind my life. Now, hindsight's always 20-20. I know that, and we're not supposed to live in regret, and I don't. But I look back, and I'm like, man, if I'd have just seen that time when God basically took a 20-pound maul and hit me in the head, but I, but I didn't see it. I don't know how. How did I not see that? Because I don't want to live by what I see. I want to live by what I hear. I want to live by what I hear. I want to fight this fight of life based on what I hear. I want to fight this thing. The, uh, my, I want to fight for my marriage from, from what I hear, not what I see. I don't want to look at my marriage and maybe things aren't going great in my marriage. And I look at the world and I see the world's got a 50% uh, divorce rate. And that's in the church too, by the way. And then go, well, it's okay. I'll just give up. It's not how I want to live my life. I don't want to live my life outside of the promises of God. And I'm not saying that I'm going to get it, that I always get it right. I'm not saying you're going to always get it right. I want to do my best to hear from heaven. How do I hear from heaven? Man, i got to position myself. I've got to get in that word. I've got to sacrifice things in my life. I've got to put things, just like Ross talked about earlier, to have balance in my life. And I believe that word, if you put on a balance scale, that, that, that Bible, regardless of how much is over here on this side, if you can put that Bible into the equation, it's going to balance it out. I don't care what your plate looks like over here, how big or how small, if you can put the word of God on this side, it can bring balance into your life. How do I know what I'm hearing if I'm not reading it? How do I know that? I live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. How does he speak? He speaks like he wrote right in that book. You tell me, well, I've never heard the word. I've never heard the voice of the Lord. Never heard him before. I've never been, been, been so confident in something. How can you be so confident, Ryan? How can you know? How can you know that the Lord is speaking to you about this young man right now? Can I, can I be honest with you for a moment? I don't always know. I don't. I'm not coming to a, from a place of having this figured out, but I've decided that I'm going to be a risk taker for Jesus. I've just decided that he's done so much for me that I'm not afraid to take risks. I'm not afraid to take risks. Jesus was never afraid to take risks. He is never afraid, man. There was, 
I just think like he'd be the coolest guy in the world to hang out with. You just never knew what you're going to get into. Hey, so we're going to the other side of the lake. All right, because, you know, the disciples are fishermen. They knew that lake would have storms in it. If you go back and read some of the historical stuff behind that, that sea was prone to storms. It wasn't the first time they'd been there. Then they go to the other side of the lake, and they encounter this guy who's full of 6,000 demons. And then they go off and they're doing this. I mean, it's just, then they go and feed the 5,000. And, and you never know. Like, I think a day with Jesus is just like, all right, man, what's up? What are we doing today? And it's like, we're going to go cast out demons. All right, let's go do it. You know, and you, and you just go. Okay. Can I give you a little bit of encouragement? Or maybe this is discouragement. I don't know. Your life can be that way because you're with Jesus every single day. You walk with him every single day. Who stops you from praying over the lady at the gas station? Who stops you from tipping the server double because the Lord told you to? Who stops you from paying for somebody's gas at the gas station? Who stops you? Nobody but yourself. Nobody but yourself. You know, I heard a guy one time was talking about this guy who went to Starbucks, and he had spoke, he just felt the Lord nudging him to go speak to this person over there. And they, uh, they said, whatever it was, and the person said, that's the third time somebody said that to me today. It's the third time. And that was the time that it sunk in. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to be person one or two? We always want to be person three where the Lord speaks something and you go do it or you feel like, oh, I mean, this is what God's telling me to go do and I go do it. And then this amazing thing happens and there's fireworks and there's a huge party and they get saved right there in Starbucks. You're like, this is, gonna, this is the most amazing thing. I can't wait to tell my friends. What if you were person number one? What if you went and talked to them and they were like, dude, you're crazy. You go to that healing place church, don't you? You know? <laughs> But without person one and two, person's three story doesn't happen. Are you willing to be person one? Are you willing to be person two? Are you willing to just be obedient to God regardless of where it takes you? If it takes you to South Baton Rouge, if it takes you across the world to another place, what are you willing to do? I'm in a place in my life where I'm willing to do whatever God wants me to do regardless of the cost. Because he paid a way higher penalty than I'm ever going to pay. And if it brings me to a place where I have to give my life for him, he already gave his life for me. If I'm in a place where i got to exchange my life on behalf of him, I pray every day that I'm not like Peter in that moment. I pray every day that I would never deny him, that I would say, I love him, I know him, he is my friend, and if that puts me on a cross to die, then it does. I don't care because nothing that you can do can take away from what God did in my life. Y'all should be a lot more excited about what God's doing in your life. You see, you got to move by what you hear. God told, uh, God told David, whenever he was, just became king, they were going and the Philistine army w- w- was chasing him down. He just became king. And the Philistines are like, oh, man, he's been made king. we got to go take this dude down. He's a bad dude. Like, he beat Goliath, remember? So they, they, they get everybody together. Like, we're going to go attack. This is one of the largest armies in the world. They're going to go attack King David and his army. And so David catches wind that they're coming, and he says, Lord, do I go attack him? And he says, yes, and he goes, and he conquers them. And so then they kind of regroup, and he says again, check this out. I want you to pick this up. He says, Lord, do you want me to go attack? And he says, I want you to go in over into these trees, and I want you to sit there under those trees. And he says, and when you hear, everybody say hear. hear, hear. 
when you hear the rustling in the trees, go attack. Because if David would have poked his head around the corner and saw this big old thing, even though he had defeated him last time, he sees this big old army, I don't know his reaction. The Lord probably knew. And he said, I need David to move by what he hears so he's not afraid because what you see makes no sense. But what you hear makes perfect sense when you're aligned with what God wants you to do. And so God said, when you hear, go. And he went and they conquered the army. I think about Ezekiel in chapter 37 when he's looking at these dry bones. And he's looking at them. And the Lord says, speak to them. Prophesy to them. If I'd have been in that moment, if I'm real for a second, I went, what? <laughs> Speak to the Lord. Do you not see there's this bone skeletons? I'd have picked one up and be like, these are bones. Okay? Ezekiel looked at his situation and thought that what God said was more valuable than the situation that sat in front of him. Because he probably looked like a crazy person. I don't think anybody was around, but he probably felt kind of crazy. And he goes, okay, bones, get up. And they got up. It was amazing. See, he went, he moved by what God told him. He moved, by, he moved because of what he heard, not because of what he saw. What he saw was death, but what he did with the word of God said, what God told him to do, it brought life. It brought life. Y'all get anything out of this tonight? I want to be a people. I want to be a group of men that are just crazy enough about Jesus that they're willing to do whatever, go wherever, whatever he's saying, wherever he's calling us, that they'll go. I just want to be a group of people that will go. It doesn't matter. Whether it's 7 a.m. on Saturday, and that's not, this is not a ploy to get you to come. I just want you to know that whatever God's calling you to do, do it. Whatever God has told you, whatever promise God has made in your life. Band, you guys can go ahead and come up. Whatever promise God has made in your life, if he's told you you're going to the other side... If he's told you that you're going to the other side, I don't care what you're facing in front. I don't care. I have compassion for you. I don't know what your situation looks like. But your circumstances do not change the promises of God. His promises are true. There's nothing in that book that's a lie. So when you read that book... And you're in this place of like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what, I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm freaking out. You got to read that book, man. Use good. We have an amazing tool called the internet. And I use this all the time. I'll just search like verses about joy. Verses about this. Verses, and man, this, Google just spits out tons of information. And then you can just go read it. Then you start reading what God's word says about you. You're not bound to having to do that. Everybody's got a phone. Everybody's got a computer around them. You can go do that anywhere, anytime. But what I want to do in my life is I never want to be scared. I never want to be afraid or concerned about what I see. Because I serve a God that is bigger. I serve a God that's got a plan that, that, that's so much greater than anything that I could come up with on my own. Then I walked through a season in my life the last about year. Y'all have heard the story about when God prunes branches. I, I felt like I got, I got a new perspective of that story because I didn't feel like he had some little scissors and was like, snip, snip. I felt like he had a chainsaw. And he just took every branch and just turned it on and just went, 
down both sides and just left me a bare trunk. Has anybody else ever felt like that? Can I tell you, it was painful. It was not something that I want to go through again. But I tell you that it's brought me to a place in God that I never thought I'd be. It's brought me to a place in God that I would never have been without that pruning. It brought me to a place in God that without that season of my life, without having to face those things, without having to walk through rejection, without having to walk through hurt and pain, without having to walk through those things, I would not be where I am in my relationship with God. And so if I have to walk through those things to get closer to my Savior, then bring it on. I'm not afraid of it because there's no weapon formed against me that can prosper. There's nothing that can change what God wants in my life. And there's nothing that can change what God wants to do in your life. You had a divine appointment tonight. And when I told you that, you had a divine appointment. And God's trying to start a fire in your heart, brother. Because there's a warrior inside of you. There's a warrior inside of you. I don't know who spoke lies over you different than that. But there's a, there's a warrior for the kingdom inside of you. It's a warrior. You believe that? There's a warrior inside of you. And, and, and there's something, just like we were thinking about earlier, about the lion the lion of Judah. See, Judah was sent out in pray, to, to praise first. The tribe of Judah was sent out in war first to go praise. And, the, and I can just imagine the roar of praise that would happen before. And God's raised you up to be a warrior. He's raised you up to be in that tribe of Judah to lead the pack of worshipers. I'm not saying to go sing on the worship. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just speaking to you what I feel like the, what, what God is saying. I'm, I'm, I, I don't really know where that's going, what that speaks to you. But man, you are a worshiper. And I want you to go after God with a passion and desire that, that, that you've never thought that you had inside of you. Because I feel like on the outside shell, maybe you bring something that's a little bit shy, but on the inside you're roaring like a lion. And let it out, brother. You have called, you're a warrior for God. You're a warrior, man. I look at a room full of warriors, look at a room full of people who have had an encounter with God, and you cannot help but be silent. I cannot help but be silent anymore. God's given you a promise. God's given you a promise. I want you to stand on it. God's given you a promise, Ryan. I want you to stand on it. I don't care what the world says. Stand on God's promise. It is always true. Nothing changes His promise in your life. Amen. Let's, do, let's stand up in here. I want to go back into worship, and I want to sing this song, Yes and Amen. And I want you to begin to sing this song from a place of knowing His promises are true. This is what I feel in my spirit, that you would be able to go right now to a place of remembering that promise. And there's people in here tonight that God's given a promise to, and you're not really sure. It's been a long time. And you're like, when is it coming to fruition? And I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry, I don't have an answer. But I tell you that God is going to move. It may be tonight, it may be tomorrow, it may be for a year from now. But persevere because it's going to be true. Let's lift up our hands in this place. Let's begin to worship. All of his promises are yes and amen.